This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. Roland Emmerich kind of scoffs when I ask him what he thinks of his nickname as the master of disaster. That's because the screenwriter and director, who's brought some of the best-known sci-fi-slash-action-slash-disaster movies to the big screen, including Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, and The Day After Tomorrow, doesn't think of his movies as disaster flicks. Instead, Emmerich tells me, they're actually about regular people who have to step up to a big challenge. And in most cases, yes, the challenge is to help save the world from disaster. This month, his latest film, Moonfall, opens in theaters. It's another big sci-fi epic about two NASA astronauts and a conspiracy theorist who have to save humanity after something knocks the moon out of orbit and it's on a crash course toward Earth. The moon, it turns out, isn't just a rock in space. If you're watching this thing, you know by now a huge problem is heading our way. An emergency meeting is being called at our usual place immediately. Free bagels. I've made a shocking discovery. I need you to get me in touch with NASA immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit. There's no need to panic. Not crazy! Why are they lying about all this? It's too late to stop. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help. Uh, thank you so much, Roland Emmerich, for talking with me today about your career, about a movie that you have that is just about to be introduced called Moonfall, which we'll talk about. But I wanted to actually start out by rewinding. You just did a Reddit AMA, which I was happy to look at because you revealed a lot about yourself in that Reddit uh, AMA, starting with the fact that when you went to film school, your first career goal was to be a production designer, not a director. But now I've scoured the internet and I can't figure out which is true. Was it Star Wars or Close Encounters of the Third Kind that convinced you that you wanted to be a director? Uh, neither one of these films, because I uh, studied like kind of uh, uh, under film school, like 83, and I still wanted to become a production designer. Uh, I did like a, a graduation work, which was a, a feature film uh, in Cinemascope for uh, a Dolby Channel, uh, a stereo. And it was like kind of shown in the Berlin uh, Film Fest competition. Uh, and, you know, uh, even then I didn't want it to come become a director. Uh, I was just uh, kind of very set on my way to become a best uh, production designer there is, you know? And it, it took me a while and a couple of films to accept it. Uh, I would say Moonfall was the first movie or where I kind of said, well, maybe I should stick with this. 
You know, is is that serious? Because you have directed. I was just no, no, saying. No, no, no. no. I, I'm saying. Uh, sorry, Moon Forty Four was like. Oh, Moon Forty Four. Yeah. It I was like my last movie I did in Germany. Okay. It was my okay. last uh, movie in Germany. Okay, fair enough. Because you have directed some very notable films, and and I'm a movie uh, buff. I'm not a, a film critic, so I just like going to the movies to see movies. And I I realized that I have seen a lot, a lot of your movies, which I'm sure a lot of people tell you, but actually I really have seen Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, The Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day Resurgence. You also did. Um, in addition to sci-fi, oh, 10,000 BC, which uh, I guess that falls into historical dramas along with the Patriot and Midway, not quite sure. So your filmography is quite extensive. So for you to say that. Yeah, but it was like for, for, for me, you know, I needed like two, three movies to kind of get used to the fact that I'm a director. It was just like kind of, uh, I was very, um, you know, strict about that. Too, because I always had the feeling, you know, I, I had a I had a, a lot of respect of other directors. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kind of just like said to myself, should I be one of them, or should I come, you know, become a good production designer? Wait. So now, looking back at this amazing career that you have, did you make the right call? No, it's like I think I'm I'm very happy now that I uh, took that uh, route. I'm only like kind of amazed how uh, our industry has like kind of changed over the years it's incredible how much uh, when you come like 89 you know to america end of 89 and uh, compare it to today it's like kind of a totally different kind of world is it that way because of how movies are being funded and made because i know you are very uh well your latest movie was independently uh produced well it's uh, it's just like kind of nobody wants to do original stuff anymore it's just like kind of this uh, kind of thing. And it's actually on the directors or stars to kind of push them through. And you will like, like see a lot of resistance, you know? To original ideas versus what, sequels of, you know, tried and true things that made a lot of money? No, sequels, I, IPs, et cetera. I mean, okay, there's like Harry Potter and then you can make like seven movies out of it. And now they're like even talking about making more Harry yeah, Potter. Eight movies, seven books. Right. <laughs> yes, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, so Moonfall is a project that you conceived of um, and it took a while to bring to screen. As I say, I, I read someplace it's one of the most um, expensive films that have been made independently and that you were able to do yeah. that through the sheer power of how you were able to raise uh, interest in capital. To bring it to market well it, it's like exactly that you know that uh, you know studios don't want to make movies like that anymore because the movie was originally at universal they constantly said oh let's do this let's do that you know and i had like actually a quite clear idea what i wanted to do i had like kind of done my first independent film with midway which was like 100 million or 110 million and so I kind of said to myself, why not like doing a moonfall also like that, even it's 140 million. But what uh, what's really the truth is you have then 140 million and then you learn, oh, 10 million for um, has to be included for, you know, like uh, um, interest and then 2 million for completion bond. And then, you know, keeps going, keeps going. And then this one, the, 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 
absolute amazing thing was um, we had like uh, five and uh, five point six million dollars in COVID costs that you all have to absorb, and then like your 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 schedule shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, and at the end it was like only like sixty one days where I could shoot this movie, you know. Well, it is incredible that you were able to bring it to market after shooting during a pandemic, but I also listen to you and I'm kind of depressed um, because if you can't get a budget approval for movies. And as I said, you have an amazing catalog of films. What does that say? Well, but yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, it has like changed. In, I would say in the last five, six, seven years. And I'm I'm not like uh, somebody, you know, who wants to uh, really work for streamers because I'm I'm so used to my own independence. You know that I'm. Uh, look, I'm a final cut director, so um, why should I give that up? Well, so is that why Moonfall is going to the theaters as opposed to you selling it or distributing it through? Well, yeah, I, I, I can't sell this movie to streamers or to a streamer because it's like what's sold uh, based on theatrical release. You cannot all of a sudden change that. And you have like a hundred partners helping you to do this movie, you know? And it's all like kind of coordinated. And because Centropolis is, let's say somewhat a studio, in that case, it's like four, four, five people. <laughs> and you, and you, you have like kind of full freedom because first of all, you don't have no overhead, you know, or it's minimal and, you know, and you can uh, do what you want, you know? So you have said recently that um, the pandemic has accelerated those streaming and that the theatrical experience, which I know that you obviously endorse and support might not come back. I mean, uh, do you think people will go back once we get whatever handle? I hope so, but nobody knows right now. So Moonfall was definitely, I mean, I watched it uh, on my small television, but is a big movie experience. Uh, you've been fighting, if, if the rumors are, that I read on the internet are true, for several years to make this movie. Why this movie? Why now? Look, uh, whenever you have a, a movie script, you want to make it. That's the first thing. And I had this like kind of misfortune, you know, to sell it to the wrong people. And they were like sitting on it and I wanted to kind of make it. And then uh, we like kind of figured out, you know, like uh, courageous as we are um, to say, let's go out there with this big movie and uh, and try to, to to finance it. And we were uh, successful. What is this story? I mean, I know what it's about. I Like I said, I saw it. But why don't you tell us what is this movie about? Well, it's like uh, I, I, you know, it's a it's a movie, you know, where the moon um, all of a sudden falls out of orbits, you know, and 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 uh, in three weeks will crash into Earth, and we find out through that that the moon is not what we think it is. Meaning, uh, NASA is involved, some conspiracy theorist is involved. Everybody, um, you know, wants to stop this. Uh, what's happening? And at one point, you know, in the middle of the movie the three main characters go up into space and then inside the moon and try to stop this. And while like kind of their kids, you know, on earth, you know, 
so, so they're fighting for the life of their kids. You have been called, whether, I don't know whether you like it or not, but master of disaster, because a lot of your movies uh, are about big cataclysmic events or that could be cataclysmic events. But I actually thought it was interesting that you actually like stories of the everyman, because to them, to you, they're the heroes, real people doing extraordinary things. I, I saw very early when I was in film school in the first year, of I got to film school, a, mo a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I kind of said to myself, you know what? That is the kind of movie I like, you know, why do I like it? And then it was like clear for me, yes, it's like normal people. Yes, there's always a specialist somewhere around and some people who want to try to figure it out, but otherwise it's normal people. They all get like kind of put this vision of the of, of this mountain in their head. And then, you know, they want to go to this mountain and then they, um, you know, like kind of at the end, a, a, an electrician walks into the spaceship. Yeah. And that's like just uh, genius when you like kind of think about it. And it's not very often, you know, that you see movies like that. Uh, either it's like some, uh, some young magicians or, uh, or some uh, superheroes galore, or I mean, it's like they, in every movie, they put no like, uh, oh, they were like kind of uh, uh, three uh, Spider-Man, oh, now let's uh, get the other two back. You know, it's this, it's this obsession with, uh, with stuff people know. And then they go there and see it, you know? And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, the art of film has a little bit taken a nosedive because of that. Because we're so uh, inundated now with superheroes and superpowers and special skills, as opposed to, well, John Bradley in your- Normal, normal, regular people. So in your movie, John Bradley plays, a, 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 maybe not normal, but a very smart uh, guy who, who is just dismissed as a conspiracy theory. Uh, theorist. Mm -hmm. So he is the everyman, I guess I would say in your- yeah, he believes, you know, with like kind of the two uh, other uh, leads, you know, they're like astronauts. Uh, uh, one gets like fired from uh, NASA, etc. But uh, John Bradley is probably the favorite character of everybody because he is the everyman and he has these crazy ideas and they come true too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like kind of that... Uh, uh, he was that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he was only wrong about the aliens. <laughs> He's a. He... But that's the only thing he was wrong about. Okay, well, we can't give away spoilers because the movie hasn't come out yet. But uh, I did appreciate that he was, that he is an everyman that a lot of people can re relate to. Someone who's very passionate and, and, is very, and is very committed to what he wants to believe and study and knows what he's talking about, but nobody will take him seriously, which is kind of a metaphor for maybe a little bit of what we're living through today when it comes to science. Is Hollywood helping or hurting? Well, Hollywood is not really helping much because there's not much critical movies about. There's no, there's no, uh, remember like kind of the China syndrome? Absolutely. You know, which was like kind of this movie which had so much impact, you know, on the whole danger of nuclear plants, you know, and and that really changed something that changed people's minds. And where's the China syndrome of today? I, I think uh, people have become kind of immune 
to the reaction, right? Uh, you had the day after tomorrow, which was an early movie about superstorms and climate change. And it was, you know, people watched it, but it wasn't to take away the message, we need to do something about climate, right? Well, that was like kind of, now it's like probably, uh, we have like reached probably the, the, the moment of no return. I mean, for 20 or for 17 or 18 years, that did nothing or not much. And, in, uh, and I don't see them doing much either, you know, in the next five, 10 years. And then there's like, uh, a, 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 you know, like a moment of no return and hundreds and of millions of people will probably be affected by it. The climate crisis is real. I'm not going to say that it's not. And I hope that we're not past the point of no return, but I don't know. Um, what's, what's the message you want people to take away then from Moonfall? I mean, it's entertaining, so I give you, I give you that. That's what I want to do. I want to kind of just like kind of put something out there which is entertaining and in in itself a story. I don't believe that the moon uh, is a is a big kind of build thing anyway, but uh, it's fun to kind of think about that and uh, have like kind of people like kind of saving, going up there and trying to save lives, you know, and. And have not the earth totally destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, uh, uh, skeptical when like kind of, uh, you know, the, I saw like lately this uh, movie, uh, Don't Look Up, which is like kind of the same joke over and over and over and over. And then it's like all of a sudden over. First of all, I think a meteor is not quite the same than climate change. Also, I think a president would like listen more. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. That, that presidents would listen because they would immediately see a chance, you know, to kind of unite the nation. Everybody's behind them and now we're doing something. Would they? I mean, we just lived through a global disaster. I don't think anybody as 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 lightheaded as uh, this woman, uh, which is uh, portrayed by Meryl Streep would do yeah, that. Although Meryl Streep does an amazing job selling you on this woman. Yes, but like uh, even she is has a hard time doing it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because this podcast is called I'm So Obsessed, I need to ask you, Roland Emmerich, what are you obsessed with? Books, biographies, uh, fiction, everything. I mean, I'm, I'm an avid reader. What's the last book you read or that you're currently reading? I'm reading right now, The Second Time Homo Deus. Oh, wow. Okay. So you like to read. Um, and I, I guess I never got the answer. What, what is your favorite movie? Uh, you have a whole list that I've seen across the internet. No, but it's, it's still Close Encounters. Close Encounters, because of the electrician and the everyman. Yeah, this was like an everyman story with like a huge uh, unheard of ever thing. I mean, it's like not that aliens coming a lot onto Earth. 
it was like kind of, and I always like kind of saw like uh, uh, my independence day as the counter of that. You know what I mean? I kind of said, oh, you cannot like kind of make them nice and good because Spielberg did it so brilliantly. I mean, what do you want to add to that? So I kind of said, oh, like we have to do a movie, you know, where they're not so nice. And they don't want to be reasoned with, right? That's that's kind of the... Yeah, but I don't like want to reason at all. Um, I want to ask you about movies that you have yet to make. And I've been reading a bunch of stories where you have a script that you have had for a long time. I don't know if it's still called Shooting Star about a young writer who has to take over a home film set in 1990. Yeah, that, that's one of my that's one of my favorite movies I will do one day. Uh, it's about it's a it's about the silent movie era. Uh, it's um, it takes place like uh, 1919. Uh, it was a time when you know, like, kind of uh, sounds was still three, four years away, and uh, and it's a young kid who, because of ma- mistaken identity, gets sent out as a you know, like, kind of fixer uh, to kind of you know, like, uh, there's like a, a male and a female movie star and in between is the female writer because the 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 director is like totally drunk and doesn't do nothing you know and she wants to always she 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 has like kind of this idea to have like the first time like something like Romeo and Juliet and you know and they don't like the ending they cannot agree on the ending well the woman screenwriter I love that Francis Marion but yeah, that, it was like at that time, at that time, it was only that's women. That's right. Really only women. Lois Weber, Francis Marion, those were some of the leading yeah. writers yeah. and directors in Hollywood were women until Hollywood became a business and the money started flowing in in the late 20s. And Well, it was already then flowing, but uh, I think they, 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 they used like women because they had a more romantic kind of notion of life. But maybe, they, maybe. Escapism is always good. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, you can call it escapism, or you can call it, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, movies about like kind of people falling in love and and also don't forget at that point it was a little bit you know that just the war, the first world war had ended, and they called it the Great War, and so it's a year later or a year and a half later. So nobody really talks about the uh, the war anymore, but there was this whole problem with the dust bowl, and you know, and farms getting closed down, and the the lead is like a, a farm boy who is like really a great writer. Okay, well, I hope that you get to make it because I would definitely like to see that movie. Um, what is your favorite piece of technology? Um, the computer. If you could have any piece of technology invented just for you, what would it be? A machine that can sleep longer. A machine that lets you sleep longer? <laughs> oh, no, no, let me lets me sleep longer. Okay, maybe something with time then. Because I'm, I'm a little bit like a, 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 the oldest teenager, uh, you know, because I'm like now 66, but uh, I still can sleep forever. <laughs> okay. I looked up a lot of stuff, as I say, on the internet. You can't believe everything you read on the internet is being true. 
Is Anonymous your favorite movie that you've done? Yes. And Anonymous, for people who don't know, is about um, the Edward DeVere. It's about, the, it's, it's about the, the only conspiracy I really believe in. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the only conspiracy uh, I believe in that Oxford wrote Shakespeare. Uh, Edward DeVere, who is the 17th Earl of Oxford, wrote the Shakespeare plays. Exactly. And... Uh, this uh, country pumpkin was not able to write stuff like that. Although some people think Christopher Marlowe is also in contention. No, 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 no. It's it's pretty proof that it's like Oxford. <laughs> there's so much. Uh, there's so much uh, uh, stuff out there, and it becomes more and more like kind of fight between Oxford and Stratfordians. They call them, you know, the the people who. I believe in uh, the, strat the man from Stratford and other belief in things. And they always like accuse each other, you know, like kind of, of certain things. And, and, you know, Oxford, you know, was just a genius. And he was like a, a guy also who blew away all his wealth. He did. Uh, he was definitely, uh, what would they call him? A Renaissance man of the time. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Okay. Also, one of the favorite scenes in your movies is in the first Independence Day when Will Smith drags the alien in the salt flats and says, yeah. and what the hell is that smell? Is that your favorite scene yeah. for sure? Well, that's like, it was like kind of, uh, uh, I always like kind of felt that uh, scene is like why we hired Will Smith. Because Will Smith was extremely excited when he could put his own you know, character together. Yes. You know what I mean? And he kind of said, I will do everything, but then give certain scenes to me. You know okay. what I mean? And that was the scene where he was like, I think the funniest. Well, he definitely, I'll just say, when he punches the alien and says, welcome to Earth. Yeah, it, start, it starts with that. You know, but like when he punches the alien and says, welcome to Earth. But then he schleps this alien which is like out in a way <laughs> or, uh, and, and, and yeah. And it's like, just, uh, I always like kind of felt this was the, the funniest moment for me. In Wait, so did he come up with Elvis has left the building or is that you? Uh, no, that's like, was uh, always like. Oh, okay. Well, that's a, a brilliant line. So points to you for that line. Okay. Your favorite director, Steven Spielberg. Yes. Because of Close Encounters? Um, because maybe of Close Encounters and all the uh, movies he did since then. He's like, an, I think he's the only true genius uh, in our world. Maybe, maybe the beginning part of uh, Coppola, he was also a genius. Roland Emmerich, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate your time and good luck with Moonfall, which opens up shortly here in February in the theaters. Okay, thank you, bye. Thank you, Roland Emmerich, for talking with me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, be safe.